0: Hey, welcome back to the Ascent Church podcast. We have a great episode for you, so let's get to it. Good morning, friends. So good to be back with you guys. Uh, Caden did an awesome job last week preaching his first sermon. Yeah. Give him a hand. Yeah. Yes. Super grateful for that. Why I was dying with my wife running a half marathon. Uh, we survived. Yes. More on that later. Some foreshadowing. Uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, you can grab them and open them to uh, Third John. Now, not John chapter three, but Third John. It's uh, it's kind of like Fargo. You know, you're going through Fargo, and if you blink, you miss the town. Uh, if you're going through the Bible, if you blink, you'll miss Third John. It's very short, so be very careful. It's it's towards the end of the Bible. It's literally just one page in your Bible, and yet it is full of wisdom. And what we're going to look at through this series, three weeks, uh, is we're going to look at this kind of spirit that John comes at. Uh, there is a spirit in our world of rebellion, and there's a spirit in the church uh, that John is addressing, and, and honestly, there's this spirit in some of us in the church, if, if we're being really truthful, uh, that John is addressing, and it's the spirit of, it's you know what, it's my life, and it's my rules. I'm going to do what I want to do, and I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. And John says, that's fine, you know, you can live that way. Uh, But you're not going to actually be what we are, which is Jesus' followers. That John says the whole idea of the Christian faith is that we would acknowledge that this is not my life. I am not my own. I've been purchased at the cross of Jesus. This is God's life. And I do not live under my own rule. I'm not my own king or I'm not my own queen in my life deciding what is right and wrong for myself. I submit that to Jesus. If Jesus tells me to run through a brick wall, my only question is how fast do you want me to run, sir? Because that's what we do as Jesus followers. We submit to Jesus. And there's really three areas that I see people having a very hard time submitting to Jesus. And there's the are three areas that we see uh, in Third John. And there are the three kind of things I'm going to address in this sermon series. And the, the first thing is truth. Something I hear all the time is, well, I just believe in my truth. Or I, I believe that that person has the right to decide truth for themselves. Uh, which John comes in and he says, that's not actually how it works for a Christian. For a Christian, we submit ourselves to Jesus' truth. What he says is true is true for us, whether we like it or we don't like it. Uh, The second thing is love. And our our culture likes love, but we like to define love. The way we like love is like the the little butterfly feeling you get in your stomach. Oh, I love love. Uh, The way Jesus talks about love is different, though. And as a Christian, I don't get to decide who I love or how I love them. That's already been decided for me by my king. His name is Jesus. He tells me who to love, and he tells me how to love him. And then the the final one, and this is the one you guys really are going to hate, and that is we're going to talk about authority. Now, the word submission is like practically a cuss word in our culture. I don't submit to nobody. And yet Jesus comes around, and he he says, actually, my kingdom is kind of built upon submission. So we're going to talk about those three things during this series. Uh, I'm going to pray for us in just a minute, and we'll start talking about truth and what uh, John is truly saying to us through his letter in 3 John uh, but before I do that, just a couple of quick pastoral announcements. Uh, starting point is right after the service today. That's really kind of the the way you can get involved in Ascent uh, pretty quickly. Uh, it is the on-ramp to being a part of what we call the Dream Team, which is kind of our family here at Ascent. And uh, by the way, i got to give a shout-out to the Dream Team. When I showed up this morning... Uh, this place looked awful uh, at 7 a.m. because they had a, a cornhole tournament last night uh, inside. I don't know why you wouldn't do it outside, but we meet in a bar, so it is what it is. Uh, and, uh, and, and our dream team came, and I came at 7, and some people showed up, so I left to go prepare my sermon. And I came back, and it looked like this. Uh, I just want us to honor everybody who did that. If you could put your hands together and clap for them. Woo! Yeah, that's really cool. I talk to some pastors, and they're like, you know, I can't get hardly any of my people involved. And I'm like, I'm sorry, because I've got people who show up and spend countless hours here at Ascent, and you guys are awesome. You make my life so much easier. They told me it's Pastor Appreciation Month. I don't need anything from you. I feel appreciated by what you guys do, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. So if you want to be a part of the Dream Team, you can come to Starting Point after the service, uh, and it'll be right in that room about five minutes after uh, I'll come in there and we'll do starting point. And it really, it's, it's to help you understand about Ascent. But it also, my goal is that you understand a little bit more about yourself after starting point. Now, the second announcement and the final one is at noon today at the event center, we're having our family meal. This is my favorite part of what we do at Ascent. Uh, and that is we eat. We eat. Now, you might not know it, but we have Baptist roots. And what Baptists do is they eat. And so we are going to engage in our spiritual gift of eating at <laughs> noon today. Now I would love to have you there. The, the theme is breakfast. We do it at noon so you have time to go to Walmart and like, pretend like you made something and bring it. Uh, or you can just do what I do, which is I just enjoy what everybody else brought. Uh, it is really, really cool. And at the end of it, this is the environment in which we partake in communion together as a church family. Uh, because that's kind of the way it is in the Bible. They ate a meal together and then they would remember what their Lord and Savior did, what brought them together. And so that's what we're going to do today at noon and I'd love to have you there. But now I want to pray for us. And then we'll jump into this message. We'll talk about truth. Father, I am so excited to be with these people today. Jesus, I love you. I love your word. God, it is the privilege of my life to be able to open this and speak to your people. God, and yet I know that I'm a sinful man. God, I know that I have a worldview in which I see things through and I'm biased. And God, sometimes I I bring my truth to your truth. And God, I just pray today that you would help Help my listeners hear the things that are only true according to what you say. Anything that I say that would be false, God, or or unnecessarily offensive, I pray that those things would just be blown away like the chaff in the wind. God, and I do pray that as this text and as this idea challenges your listeners, challenges your church today, God, that we wouldn't have a spirit of pride saying, it's my life and I'm going to do things my way, but that we would have a spirit of humility. Seeking truly to find out what you want for our life, seeking truly to find out what your will is, and then submitting to that good and true will. Jesus, it's in your name that I pray. Amen. 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 All right, so as we open to 3rd John, uh, the very first verse says this. It says, The elder to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. And to really understand this text You have to understand what the word truth means. Because when we see the word truth, what we often think is like a a true fact. Like if I said it's 70 degrees outside, you'd say, okay, that's true. But what John is talking about here, when he uses the word truth in the Greek, it's really the word reality. Here is what is real. Here is the way things actually are in the world. Uh, We we would call this a worldview. A worldview is just what it sounds like it's the way you see the world. And every single one of us, has a worldview you cannot live without a worldview there is a way in which you see the world and for some of us our worldview is just not very well thought out we inherited it like we have the worldview our parents have we have the worldview that cnn or fox news tells us to have please don't have that worldview it makes you a terrible person uh i just all cable news is from hell uh if you're offended I'm, i'm not sorry uh no, I really, I really am sorry. But uh, we, we have a worldview in which we see the world through. This is what religions do. This is what um, people who don't even have a religion, they have a worldview. Because every worldview answers these four questions. Everybody has an answer to these things. It's, how did I get here? And if it's, you know, science or if you're even agnostic and you say, I don't really know how we all got here. That's still an answer to this question and it affects the way that you live your life. Uh, number two is, why am I here? What's the meaning of life? The atheist would say there really is no meaning to the world, but you kind of can make your own meaning. The Christian would say your meaning is to be a part of God's plan, to be a glorifier of God, to magnify what God is doing. Uh, Number three is what do I value? This is the how do I know what is right and what is wrong? And our society right now is really having a a really hard time with this question because we have so many different worldviews. So what I think is right and what you think is right is different. What I think is wrong and what you think is wrong is different. So what do we do? We just yell at each other without really thinking that, hey, maybe we have different worldviews. Maybe I see marriage differently than you do. Maybe I see money differently than you do. And that's what's causing our ultimate conflict. Number four is what is my destiny? And, and, and really, what is the destiny of the world? So This is the question of, you know, what happens after I die? And, and why are we all here? What, what is eventually going to happen in the world? The Christian has the worldview that says eventually Jesus is going to come back. He's going to make everything right. We're going to live forever in perfect eternity. The, the atheist who just believes in science would say one day the world is going to you know, be burnt up in fire because the sun's going to explode and take it. Now, I'm not saying one is right or wrong. Now, spoiler alert, I'm a Christian and I'm up here on a stage preaching from the Bible, so you could probably guess what my worldview is. But for the first part of this message, my goal is really just to help you begin to think about your worldview because you have one. What is your worldview? Every single one of us has an answer to those four questions. And it affects the way we spend our money, it affects the way we treat people, it affects everything about the way we do what we do. And honestly, I think a lot of us avoid this question because it's really hard. You might feel like today that you're back in your college philosophy class. Just stick with me. Keep your head turning, because this is really, really important stuff. This affects everything in your life. And it should be the kind of question that we ask all the time. And it's the question that Pilate actually asked Jesus when he's on trial. So Jesus is standing before Pilate, about to be condemned to be crucified. And Jesus begins to talk to him. This is John 18, 37 through 38. You don't have to uh, turn there. You just listen to me. It says, you are a king then, Pilate asked. Jesus says, you say that I'm a king, Jesus replied. I was born for this, and I have come into the world for this, to testify to the truth, or to testify to reality, to testify to, this is the way things actually are. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice, and then Pilate asks the question that we should all ask, what is truth, said Pilate, what is reality, well, what is the correct world view, and today what I want to do is we walk through uh, 3 John verses 1 through 4, is John actually addresses the three major attacks against the Christian worldview. These are the three things I often hear from people say, you know, I don't believe in the Christian worldview because of these things. And what I want you to see is no matter what your worldview is, these three things are true of every worldview. So you can, you can say it's a Christian thing, but it's really just a thing thing. And then at the end of the day, you have to decide which worldview is the best. If they're all equal in the sense that they all have these three things in common, then which of those worldviews is the best world best view for the world? And which one is actually reality? Which one is True, The the three kind of complaints I hear against Christianity that I believe are true for every worldview is people say Christianity is exclusive. It's like, who are you to say what is right and wrong? Who are you to say that you have the truth? Isn't that kind of a narrow way to look at the world? The second one is that Christianity is offensive. You should just let people live how they want. Why are you trying to tell people what is right and what is wrong? Just let them live how they want to live. And then the last one is that it is I I try to think of a a good way to say this. It is imposing. I think that's the best way I can think it. I can say it. People say, you know, like, you shove your religion down my throat would be kind of the idea behind this one. You know, why do you try to convert people? Why can't you just let everybody believe what they want to believe? And I would argue that every worldview from atheism to Buddhism to Christianity is exclusive, offensive, and it's imposing by its very nature. So let's look at these one by one. As we jump back into verse 1, exclusive. Who are you to say, Blake, that you have all the answers in Christianity? And here's what John says. John 1.1, 1, 1, the elder. And if you'll remember from our series in 2nd John, the reason John doesn't say his name is because of fear of persecution. He doesn't want the Roman officials to know that he is writing a letter to the church so that the church won't be found out. So he says, the elder to my dear friend Gaius, probably a leader in the church, whom I love in the truth. And see there, you see the exclusivity of Christianity, don't you? Whom I love in the truth. I love you because you're a part of this reality. And it's true that the reality of Jesus and believing in Jesus' worldview is what unites us. That's what brings us together today. For those of you that are Christians, we believe that the world is going in the same direction. And it unifies us. But by nature, anything that is unifying is also exclusive. That there's people who are outside of that worldview who do not agree with me. Probably the most offensive statement made in the Bible about this would be John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus says this. Jesus told, them, told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Oh, Jesus, you're the only, I mean, come on, you know, like there's got to be another way kind of that's there for, you know, people to kind of believe and get to the Father. Jesus says, no, I'm the only way. I am reality itself. And see, we say that that kind of sounds exclusive. But the reality is, is every worldview does this. Every single worldview says that they have reality. And by nature, it has to be this way because all worldviews hit against one another. What I mean by that is every worldview has some things that are in common. Like I can read a Buddhist author, and a lot of the things they say, I can say, amen, I agree with that. I think that's right, or I think that's good. But there's going to be eventually a place in which Christianity and Buddhism go against each other. I've read atheist authors who I really agree with on a lot of stuff. And they talk about science and the beauty of the world, and I say, yes, amen, amen, amen. But they lose me at the point in which they say there's no creator behind all that beauty. Every worldview hits up against one another worldview. Just uh, because I, you know, really try to avoid controversy. Uh, I'll talk about gender really quick. That was a joke. Uh, <laughs> you don't have to get too nervous. I'm not saying one view is right or one view is wrong yet. Uh, although you can probably guess what my view is. But this is just to give you an example of how worldviews all are exclusive. They all leave people out. So some people would say in our world right now that there is no such thing as gender. Like, there's just, there's not gender. It's, it's a man-made thing, and there's no such thing, so we should stop calling people male and female. Okay, that's one view. Another view is, well, Blake, there is gender, but we get to decide what it is. You know, screw biology. If, I'm a, if I want to be a female tomorrow, I'll be a female tomorrow. If I want to be a male next week, I'll be a male next week. Uh, that's, that's a view. And then there's another view, which is probably the traditional Christian view, which is th- there's men and there's women, and they're distinct on purpose for a purpose, That we're all image bearers of God. And man, me, as a male, I cannot fully image God to the world. Females come around and they have the other side of the image of God. And together, it's how we are image bearers of God. We are glorifying or showing the world how good our God is and our differences and our uniqueness. Now, that's the Christian worldview. Can you see how these worldviews cannot all come together? They're all very different. I can't in one side say that, you know, we're glorifying God through our separateness and then at the same time say that there's no gender at all. And these views are just as exclusive as the view Jesus is having. See, so what Jesus is doing here is, is nothing new. Every leader of a worldview, every leader of a religion thinks that they have reality. They have truth. They have the way things really are. So the answer that you need is to know which worldview is the correct one. You're going to live by a worldview. It's going to be exclusive to some. So which one is the way that reality actually works? I think we see this also in politics, do we not? Like, you can't be a Republican and and also at the same time be for everything that Democrats are for. You can't be a Democrat... And be for everything that Republicans are for. You've never seen a Democrat who's anti-abortion and pro-gun and uh, small government. It's like, dude, you're at the wrong party. (laughs) You you got the wrong animal, you know, because they have things that unite them, but they also have things that exclude them. Now, what's interesting is uh, Christianity actually is the most inclusive Uh, of all the worldviews. See, this is what I find ironic is for each one of these things that people level against Christianity, I actually think it's the best worldview at. Christianity is the most inclusive of all the worldviews. And uh, this was interesting in the first century when Christianity first took off. It looked like the Greeks and the Romans should be the most inclusive societies. I mean, they they let you have sex with whoever you wanted. They had multiple (laughs) gods. They said, whatever god you want to serve, you serve that god. It sounds very, very inclusive. It sounds a lot like our society today. And the Christians come along and they're like, you can't marry whoever you want. And and you have to give all your money away. And and you live for a cause greater than yourself. This one seems really exclusive and this one seems really inclusive. But what actually happened is kind of ironic because the Christians were the ones who had different ethnicities, different races within their congregations. The Greeks and the Romans didn't have that. It was the Christians who elevated women to a position of honor and dignity. It was Christians who raised the dignity of the elderly and the children. And even to this day, the Christian religion, the Christian worldview, if you will, is the most inclusive and diverse body that there is. Like, There's no other body in the world that has as many different political parties represented. There's no other body in the world that has as many different ages represented, from the youngest to the oldest. There's no other party or worldview that has people from all over the world worshiping today. Right now, as I preach in English in Woodward, Oklahoma, there's somebody in China preaching in a completely different language, but they're preaching the exact same message. That's as inclusive as it gets. And the question is, why is our faith so inclusive? What would make it be inclusive? And the answer is because the guy we worship died for his enemies. We believe in a savior who was crucified, not just for the rich, not just for the poor, but for everybody. And I don't care how you come into this room. I don't care what your race is. I don't care how much money you make. We are all equal beggars at the feet of Jesus Christ. And at our family meal today, when we partake in communion, we're remembering that the only reason we get to be there, the only reason, is because of the broken body and the poured out blood of Jesus. So who am I to deny entrance to anybody? See, people say Christianity is exclusive. I would say all worldviews are. But it's actually, of the worldviews, the most inclusive that there is. Now, you might not be exclusive. One time I had a friend who was uh, engaging in, in smoking something he probably should not have smoked. Uh, of course, I wasn't a godly man. I was just sitting there, uh, going to drive him home. This is a long time ago. And uh, he, he, I remember we were sitting there outside, and he's looking up at the stars, and he said, man, have you ever thought about if if everything is possible, then nothing is possible? I was like, you got to quit smoking, dude. <laughs> so maybe that's your view. If that's your view, I, you need a different message. But all, all, all of us who don't engage in drugs would, would agree that worldviews are exclusive. All right, so the second one is uh, that the worldview of Christianity is offensive. You know, Christianity does come along, and there are some offensive things that we believe about right and wrong. There are some things that I have to like, kind of walk on eggshells when I speak up here uh, because I know that they're going to be offensive. And uh, honestly, I could just read the words of Jesus, and you guys would be offended. If you think I'm offensive, just read what Jesus says about divorce. Just read what Jesus says about marriage. Read what Jesus says about your money. Like those things are not coming from Blake. People get mad at me and I'm like, man, I'm just a messenger. I don't want to say these things, but they're there. It's the truth. It's offensive. And I can see where people come at it like that. But again, what I would argue is every single worldview is offensive to somebody. You are a snob if you think your worldview is the perfect worldview. Because around the world, at some point in history, your worldview is going to offend people. I I like to use this example. In our country alone, if you go back 50 years, people find that culture very, very offensive. There are some things about that culture that we go, oh, we would never do that. That culture, 50 years before them, they said, oh, we would never do what that culture did. So maybe, just maybe, what do you think they'll think about our culture 50 years from now? Think they'll think, oh, those guys had it right. No. No. Culture moves. What is offensive and what is not offensive is determined by culture a lot of times. When in reality, it's just a different worldview. And every worldview has its parts or pieces of it that are by nature offensive. In fact, here's what John says. You look at verse 2. Talking to Gaius, he says, Dear friend, I pray that you are prospering in every way and are in good health. Just as your whole life is going well. Or the, the, the direct translation there would be, just as your soul is going well. And that word prospering is very interesting. The word prospering means a journey. I hope your journey is going well throughout life. See, this is what makes all worldviews kind of offensive, and that is we're telling people that they have to walk a certain way to have success in life. Your worldview determines what is successful and what is not. I was watching a kind of a, a, a really was kind of sad. It was funny and sad at the same time. Uh, it was a video of a politician. I'm not going to mention his name because... There's probably a a lot of people who have his same worldview, so I'm not necessarily attacking him. But I'm just saying in this video, they asked him what his favorite movie was, and he said Citizen Kane, which is a a good movie, and the plot of the movie, it's a really old movie, uh, is that this guy really has the rags-to-riches kind of story. He gets all this wealth and money, uh, and at the beginning of the, the story, they're in this small apartment. It's just him and his wife at a table about this size. They're just right across each other. But what you kind of find out is that the more money he makes, the more burdened he feels. The more stuff he has, the further his soul grows colder and colder. And it's, it's a, a super good image of uh, how the table of him and his wife is small when they had nothing. And by the time the movie kind of reaches its climax and he's as rich as he's ever been, the table is huge. There's a distance between him and the one he loves. And kind of the point of the movie is, is be careful what you wish for. Because it might not be found in, in money and riches because it, it might separate you from the people you love the most. And they asked this politician, so, like, w- what, what advice would you give Cain if you could tell him, you know, before? Because this politician's very rich and, 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 you know, you would think he would say, well, I would tell him to value people above your things. That's not what he says. This politician said, I would tell him to get a new wife. Whew. Yeah. And I think that that might be the view of a lot of people. <laughs> Right? Like people are, are disposable. I just I need success materially. And the reason you guys didn't like that, some of you, some of you you could say you were a little offended, is because you have a different worldview. You know that people are much more valuable than any kind of possession there is. But his problem is not that he needs to have it pounded into him to love people, his problem was his whole worldview is off. What he valued was wrong. And see, this is true of all world views. All of them. They answer, how did I get here? Why am I here? And what do I value? And what is my destiny? And if you believe your destiny is ultimately to make as much money as possible, then what he said makes all the sense in the world. And, and here's why it's really offensive. When, when I say that you're doing something wrong, what I'm saying is you're not living in reality. Like there's a way the world actually works and you're not living it. Or as, uh, as the prophet J. Cole said, don't judge my music choices. Uh, I know I've repented uh, several times. Uh, but I listened to rap music when I was in high school long time ago, okay? Country music now, I'm a Christian. <laughs> uh, but the great prophet J. Cole, back when I listened to that garbage music, I would never, never listen to now. Uh, he said, that the, the good news is that you came a long way. The bad news is you went the wrong way. And that's what we're telling people when we're telling them, "Hey, your success isn't actually success." Like, I know you made a lot of money, but that's not actually the point of life. Or, "Hey, I, I know that you're fulfilled in your marriage and you're you're so happy, but that's oh, what I'm telling you is that's not actually the point of marriage. The point of marriage is to glorify God." You, you see how this gets offensive when we're telling people they're living a fantasy. Now, if you think that was offensive, look at what Jesus said to the Pharisees. Jesus, I love this guy. Uh, you are of your father, the devil. Your mom shagged the devil. You know like Jesus. Uh, a little offensive. I didn't say it, he did. You are of your father the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. This is John 8:44 by the way. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. He does not stand in reality because there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar and the father of lies. As a pastor, from a Christian perspective, here's what you need to know. The devil does not care how successful you are as long as you are successful in the wrong things. You can die richer than all of us in this room and miss the whole point of life. You can define success however you want as long as it misses the point of what Jesus says. As long as you refuse to bow your knee to him as king. It's one of the saddest stories in Mark chapter 10. This rich young ruler comes to Jesus and, and he says, Jesus, I've kept all the commands. He's a liar. Nobody has. And Jesus says, okay, uh, sell all your possessions and give them to the poor. And it says the man walked away sad. Why? See, Jesus loved him, but he loved his stuff. He, he was unwilling to follow Jesus in all areas. And some of you maybe have those same things in your life. I'm not willing to submit my worldview in this area. And I would just say the devil is very happy that you're living in a false reality. And the irony of this one as well uh, is that I actually believe that the Christian faith is the least offensive, and I'll tell you why. And and by the way, this is every worldview. So uh, my wife sent me a a 13-page document that her school sent her uh, from this lady, and she talked a lot about inclusion and equality. And I agreed with, like, the first paragraph of what she said. And then it was literally 12 pages of doctrine of what I'm allowed to say and not allowed to say. That lady did not care about offending me. She did not. Her worldview and my worldview were very different. So do not think that your worldview doesn't have sin and truth in it, because it does. Every worldview says this is right and this is wrong. My worldview just happens to be a little bit different. And I found it kind of funny that somebody who was talking about tolerance gave me 12 pages of intolerance. But I actually think Christianity is the least offensive, and here's why. If we were driving down the road together and you were driving, uh, you would not want me to start telling you how to drive. Uh, my wife's and kids today, so don't tell her I'm saying this. But man, she is a backseat driver like you've never seen. Like, I tell her, Taylor, I don't even know how I go anywhere without you. Like, it's a miracle I haven't had a wreck because if you didn't tell me every move to make, I would have crashed by now. Uh, a little sarcasm. Gosh, come now. Uh, you guys are my therapy. She's in kids once a month. I get to get this out. But it's offensive because somebody is telling you how to drive, right? And, and they're telling you things that you feel like you already know. We all think we're a better driver than what we are. I don't need you to tell me. But what if my dad was the maker of the car? Like my dad made the car you're driving. I said, hey, here's something cool you might not know. My dad made the car. He put this little feature in. You would not feel offended that I was telling you. You'd say, yeah, let me know. That's cool. This guy has the in that I don't have. Jesus is the son of God, which is what makes what he says very unoffensive because jesus is like you want to know why you're here well i was there i created you you don't know why you exist yeah i kind of set that whole thing up you want to know destiny of you in the world i'm the alpha and the omega i'm outside of time i already see the end so i can kind of tell you what it is you see we would be a fool to not listen to that guy every other worldview is made up by a human they're just trying to figure it out like you are they don't know anything But the son of God himself comes and he says, here's the way the world actually works. This is why in Proverbs, it says the beginning of knowledge is to fear the Lord. It doesn't mean be afraid of the Lord, like he's a scary guy, but to respect the Lord, which if I were to change the word God with reality, nobody would disagree with me. Respect reality. Like I want my kids to respect reality when it comes to gravity. When I have a kid one day, I don't want them jumping off the roof thinking they can fly. You need to respect, you need to fear reality. And what the Christian says is that ultimate reality is God himself. And so if God comes in flesh and he tells us the way reality works, then wouldn't we be kind of foolish to not listen to him? It's not offensive. It's like a firefighter who breaks into your house when your house is burning down, and the firefighter says, hey, here's the way out because this is the way I came in. And you you wouldn't stop and say, well, that's offensive. I'll find my own way out of here. (laughs) No, you follow the guy joyfully. You say, thank you for showing up and saving my rear end. This is Jesus. This is what he does for us. And you seem like, how can you be sure he's God? I don't know. Generally, I believe people who died and then rose from the dead. It's just kind of a general rule I have. Somebody dies and raises from the dead. I'm like, okay, I'm on your team. I haven't seen anybody else back up claims like that. And, And when you think about the movement of Christianity itself, it's so amazing. Like, Jesus never wrote down a single word himself. He didn't write a book like Muhammad did. He didn't write anything down. He didn't ask his followers to quote him. He only had three and a half years of ministry total. And yet, look at what happened. The whole world has changed because of it. That seems a little divine to me. See, so if you think Jesus is God, then this isn't actually offensive at all. I'm I'm getting a little fired up. All right, so the last one. Uh, that I often hear, is uh, that Christianity is imposing. You guys probably heard this too. You know Why do you guys got to go around converting people? And we see John saying something really offensive. If you look at 3 John, uh, verses 3 and 4, it says this. John says, For I was very glad, I was happy, when fellow believers came and testified to your fidelity to the truth. They went and saw you and they said, Hey, they're actually living in reality. They're actually living what Jesus says to live. And I was happy about it how you are walking in the truth, conducting yourself. I have no greater joy than this to hear that my children are walking in truth. Now, some of you would say, well, John, why can't you just be glad that they're walking in their own truth, that they could just do whatever they want to do? But again, you miss the point if you think truth is a state of facts. But if truth is reality, then of course we all want our children to be walking in reality. Do you not? Uh, Scott Peck, he's, he's not a Christian as far as I can tell. Uh, He's a psychologist, and he says this about mental health. Mental health is an ongoing process of dedication to reality at all costs. You guys want your kids to be mentally healthy? I do. And the way that you're healthy is by committing to reality at all costs. And John says, this is reality. And so, yes, I am glad when other people are like, you know what? I think I want to live in reality. And you should be glad as well when people do it. And by the way, again, this is not unique to Christianity. Every worldview wants their kids, wants the people they love to live in the reality that they believe is true. Now, some people say, and it's very easy to say in the abstract, they'll say, I don't care what my kid believes or what my kid does. I just want them to be happy. And that's easy to say like that. Like when you say it like that, but when you get into the specifics, you see that that's not true for people. What if your kid is happy being a neo-Nazi white supremacist? Is that what you want for them? But what if your daughter is happy being in a cult where women are abused? She's happy. That's her worldview. Are you happy for her? The answer is no. And you might say, well, Blake, those things are extreme. And I would say, who gets to decide what is extreme? Your worldview decides what is extreme because to the neo-Nazi, it's not extreme at all. It's just reality. So we all want our children to walk in true reality. And so if you believe Jesus is that reality, you believe Jesus is the essence of life, then you'd be a fool to not want the people you love the most to be walking in that reality. Now, I will grant this to people who say Christianity is imposing. A lot of times it's our method. Uh, In the Bible, you you never see somebody, you know, Peter doesn't knock on somebody's door and say, hey, if you were to die tonight, do you know if you'd spend eternity in heaven or hell? It's like, you know, that's not generally a method that he uses. You know, he doesn't doesn't stand up before little children and say, you're going to burn in hell forever. So repent. (laughs) There's a different method that the Bible uses that is less imposing. The method that the Bible uses that Peter talks about is that we live lives of integrity. We live lives worthy of explanation, and then when they ask for the explanation, we have it ready to go. See, see, in Christianity, people are supposed to be drawn in. People are supposed to be so impressed they say, I see the way you love your wife. What is wrong with you? Or I see the way you love your husband. I cannot love my husband that way. What are you doing? And then you would have the explanation to say, I love her or I love him because it's a representation of the way Jesus loves the church. And as the wife, I'm to love my husband as the church is to love Jesus. And and as the husband, he's supposed to love me the way the church, the way Jesus loves the church, laying his life down for her. And we're imperfect at it, obviously. But that's what we strive for. That's our goal. And I promise you, friends, if you live that way, people will ask you for an explanation. And it might be that if you're never asked for an explanation of the way you live your life, that you're not living within the Christian worldview. Because if you do, it will be radically, radically different. And it always has been. In fact, I love what Tim Keller says about the early church. Uh, He says this is kind of part of what helped the early church take off into what it is today. He says the early church was strikingly different from the culture around it in this way. The pagan society was stingy with its money and promiscuous with its body. A pagan gave nobody their money and practically gave everybody their body. Sounds a lot like our society. And the Christians came along and gave practically nobody their body and they gave everybody their money. Can you imagine if we were actually known for that today? Like personal integrity. I love, I love one woman. I love one man for my entire life. I'm not tempted by... The, the I am tempted, but I don't give in to the inclinations of my flesh. And I give my money to everybody. Can you imagine if we were the most generous people in the world? And just imagine what we could do as the church. And imagine what people would say. Why do you give that way? We could have an explanation. Say, because our Savior gave in that way. See, truth is reality, and we all live in one of these worldviews. Every single one of you. The the question is not, can I find a worldview that is not exclusive? Can I find a worldview that is not offensive or imposing? Because they all are at some level. The question is, which one is the best? And my opinion is Christianity by far is the best worldview. Now, living this worldview is not so simple. And uh, Kelly, if you want to go ahead and, and start making your way up here as I close. I got a brand new uh, reading on 1 Corinthians chapter 9. The Apostle Paul talks about living the Christian life as a race. Uh, he, he, he says, you know, living in the worldview of Jesus, submitting myself to the rule and the reign of Jesus in my life, it's like a race. And he says this, verse 24, don't you know, don't you know that the runners in a stadium all race? Everybody's out there running. But only one receives the prize. It's only the one who finishes first. Or I like to say it this way. You have to, to finish first, you have to first finish the race. It says, run in such a way to win the prize. Now, everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. They do it to receive a perishable crown. But we, an imperishable crown. We're running for something that is so good at the end of this thing, if you can stay in this worldview. Verse 26, So I do not run like one who runs aimlessly or box like one beating the air. Everybody's running. Have you noticed that? Everybody's got a worldview. Some people are just kind of foolish. They're just running around in circles. They don't know where they're going. Some people are boxing the air. Paul says, hit the target. Run the actual race. And uh, this past week, last Sunday, I was dying at this point, running a half marathon. Now, my beautiful wife Made it look so easy. Uh, she finished an hour before me. An hour before me. Uh, okay, the, the, my grandma tried to get a picture of her. She ran too fast for the picture to even get her. That's how fast she was running. Makes me so mad. After, it didn't look like she was sweating. Okay, me on the other hand, I was dying. We, we, have, we have a picture of me about to cross the finish line. <laughs> <of the> on <song. laughs> And I love that. I didn't notice this till this morning, but look at the billboard in the background. So don't worry, buy happiness. What a wonderful picture of the Christian life. Right? Like there are times where this life just beats the ever-living heck out of you. Culture's against you, everybody's against you, you're misunderstood. There's so many costs involved with it. And there's the billboard. Hey, don't worry, just come over here and be happy. But can I tell you something? I don't know what they're selling on that billboard. There was nothing like the feeling I had when I crossed the finish line. I mean I collapsed, but I did it! And I got a medal, and I'm framing the medal. It's my medal. <laughs> the same is true of the Christian life, and you're going to have people who are against you. Uh, in fact, as we were running uh, along the way, there was encouraging signs, people cheering you on, but there was also these guys who wanted to punch in the face. Uh, one guy at a mile three he had a sign. He says, "You're not even close." It's like, Thanks. There's going to be temptations. At mile three and a half, there was somebody giving out beer and champagne. And people actually took the beer. What 10 miles left? I passed every single one of them at the end. You're, you can, yeah, Royce is clapping for me. I, yeah, clap. That's fine. I don't know if it was clappable. Friends, this is the Christian life. You run the race, and you keep running the race. And when you feel like you're about to give up, look around you. you know, the thing that was most motivating to me were the people I was running with. At one point, a 70-year-old lady with a broke neck, and she was running sideways with a brace on, passed me. That was motivating. I said, you're not going to beat me, lady. I beat and I, be- I-, nope, I beat her. <laughs> Write that down in the record book. So rely on our faith when you don't have any But what I'm telling you is Truth is not up for debate Reality is reality You can live a lie, you can live in fantasy Or you can live in the reality Of Jesus Christ The one who came and showed us the way God in flesh Died for you so that you might have entrance It's so inclusive It's the least offensive because he's the one who set this whole thing up And I don't have to impose it on any of you Just watch the way we live if you don't believe us And see if it might be something you'd want to be a part of. Let me pray for us. Father God, thank you for every single person in this room. God, thank you for the way you love us. Lord, thank you that on this race you've given us each other. Lord, I I pray that as we choose a worldview, we choose a way to live our life, we would highly consider your worldview. We would submit our lives to you, that our lives wouldn't be my life, my rules, but it'd be God's life and God's rules that I live by. Right now, friends, eyes closed, head bowed. I just want you to take about 20 seconds and say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? Father God, I pray that you'd give us the courage to obey all that you've commanded us. It's in your name I pray, amen. If you would stand to your feet, you've just heard the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And as Christians, there's only one response to that, and that is worship. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to sing together as we close this service. Thanks for tuning in to the Ascent Church podcast. You can check in with us on social media at My Ascent Church. New episodes each week. Thanks.